You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. Basic Instinct, which came out in 1992 and was directed by Paul Verhoeven. What's your new book about? A detective. He falls for the wrong woman. What happens? She kills him. Stay away from her! You are out of control, Curran. You won't learn anything I don't want you to know. She knew I'd say she did it, and she knew that nobody would buy it. She is screwing with your head, Nick! She knows things about me that I only told you. How's it feel to kill someone? You tell me. Nicky got too close to the flame. <laughs> Nicky liked it. You're in over your head. She seduces people. It was internal affairs, wasn't it? She manipulates people. Freeze! How much did she pay you? You want to play her? Come on! She knows where I live and breathe. Games are over, Nick. It stars Michael Douglas, Sharon Stone, Gene Triplehorn, George Zunda, Leilani Sorrell, and Dennis Arndt. The genre would be erotic mystery thriller. There are mainly two things which really make this movie stand out almost three decades later, and it's about to turn 30. Sharon Stone's iconic go-for-broke performance and that amazing score from the late, great Jerry Goldsmith. Stone plays Catherine Trammell, a famous author who was accused of murdering a former rock star who was found naked in his bed, bludgeoned to death with an ice pick. Now, even though Michael Douglas is technically the star of this movie as Nick Conklin, the disgraced San Francisco detective who's hot on her trail, in more ways than one, it's actually Stone who justifiably became a star after this movie, because she just devours the screen with every glance, every smirk, every line reading, every smug laugh, and of course, every outfit. From the sweaters, to the yoga pants, to the sequin dresses, everything she presents just displays sexy confidence and icy cool. Catherine has been accused of murder and is under investigation, but you wouldn't know that watching her as she's too busy toying with everyone around her while actively doing, quote, research on her next novel, which is about, you guessed it, a murder investigation where a troubled detective pursues the accused murderer. Regardless of whatever occurs on screen, this film is endlessly rewatchable, and seeing Stone demure her way through every situation as she elegantly puffs her cigarette is certainly a hoot. How long were you dating him? I wasn't dating him. I was fucking him. What are you, a pro? 
No, I'm an amateur. How long were you having sex with him? About a year and a half. Were you with him last night? Yes. Did you leave the club with him? Yes. Did you go home with him? No. We had a drink at the club. We left together. He went home and I came out here. Was there anyone with you last night? No. I wasn't in the mood last night. Look, I don't really feel like talking anymore. Listen, lady, we can do this downtown if you want. So read me my rights and arrest me. And then I'll go downtown. Otherwise, get the fuck out of here. Please. And yeah, calling this film a hoot pretty much describes it best. It's not meant to be taken seriously. Its story makes no sense. Most of the characters don't make any sense. And much of the dialogue is laughably bad. So bad that there can only be one culprit, the million-dollar screenwriter of this era in the early 90s, the legendary purveyor of upscale softcore, the inventor of the modern-day crime scene where everybody shows up from the DA to the assistant DA to the mayor to the commissioner to the lead detective's ex-wife to the CSI's AA sponsor, the man who single-handedly raised the murder rate in San Francisco more than 80% from the late 80s to the late 90s. You know him. You love him. There can only be one. Esterhaas. <laughs> Joe Esterhaas, of course. Joe Esterhaas literally became one of the most famous screenwriters of the 1990s, thanks to notable films like this one. And I believe he was paid about $1.25 for the rights to the screenplay. What was it? Ice pick. Left it on the coffee table in the living room. There's cum stains all over the sheets. Very impressive. He got off before he got off. <laughs> Gentlemen, this is sensitive. Mr. Boz was a major contributor to the mayor's campaign. He was chairman of the board of the Palace of Fine Arts. Well, I thought yeah. you said he was a rock and roll star. He was a retired rock and roll star. A civic-minded, very respectable rock and roll star. Well, what's that over there? Looks like civic-minded, very respectable cocaine. <laughs> Yep, his fingerprints are all over this, and it certainly blends in well with the rest of his screenwriting oeuvre from this time period, including Jagged Edge, Jade, and Showgirls. And it's a shame, too, because he was apparently paired with the perfect director, Paul Verhoeven. Great director. Sadly, as gorgeously shot and breathlessly paced as this movie is, the screenplay genuinely drags it down, even drags down some strong actors like Gene Triplehorn, but we'll get to her a bit later. So what results is just over two hours of generally watchable, often unintentionally funny trash. Douglas is, of course, playing Douglas, but he plays him well. The sex scenes are certainly not dull to watch, and there are still some small joys to be found throughout the movie. From George Junda sporting a cowboy hat to that awesome, pouty fighting dance done by Roxy during the club scene. Roxy is Catherine's girlfriend. And speaking of which, why didn't Leilani Sorrell have a bigger career, by the way? She plays Roxy. See Basic Instinct for Stone and the score, if for nothing else. And that brings me to the categories. The first category would be Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Now, regarding Jerry Goldsmith's score, wow. It resembles the kind of brash orchestral score that Bernard Herrmann used to do for Alfred Hitchcock. But it takes the brashness even further as we hear the orchestra apparently climaxing when our main character does or when a victim is brutally stabbed to death at the height of said climax. Or both? <laughs> you got me. 
But seriously, this is just go-for-broke music with an explosive torrent of brass and strings augmented by snare drums and electronic beats. It just gets louder and louder and more bombastic as the theme crescendos towards the end. I can remember hearing this in a theater at piercing high volume. It was just such a kick. It remains one of the best scores of the 90s. Just fun, crazy stuff. That brings me to the next category, which would be wasted talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Now back to Jean Triplehorn. She's a genuinely good actress who just a year later would have the chops to almost outact Gene Hackman, the legendary Gene Hackman in The Firm. She's great in that movie, but not here. Her character of the psychologist slash ex-girlfriend slash alleged stalker in this film is just ridiculous. She basically just says and does whatever random goofy stuff the screenplay needs her to do, just to move the story forward. And it's not really Triplehorn's fault. I highly doubt that even Kate Blanchett on her best day could sell a line like, She's evil. She's brilliant. I mean, did she tell you in bed, Nick? That's what I do. Why'd you change your name? I got married. He called me Beth. He was on staff at the clinic down in Salinas. Didn't last long. Nick? God, you, I mean, do you really think that I could kill someone? I mean, I never even met Johnny Boz. And what about Nilsson? What possible motive would I have to kill Nilsson? Get that lock fixed. God! She's evil! She's brilliant! That brings me to the trailer moment. This is the senior moment that best describes this movie. There can only be one, and it has to be the now-famous interrogation scene. We watch as several law enforcement officers and lawyers, because why not? <laughs> it's that kind of movie. They question Miss Trammell over her involvement with Johnny Boz, the murder victim, who she had a relationship with. Like virtually every other scene in this movie, this sequence is just utterly ridiculous on paper. And yet... Verhoeven and director of photography Jan de Bont bring such a flair to it. There are pans to each person speaking, zooms, and even several close-ups. It seems at one point like literally every third shot seems to be a close-up of Wayne Knight's sweaty face. Oh, and of course, there are some genuine whoppers of dialogue, which have to be heard to be believed. My personal favorite being when we hear Catherine utter, I like hands and fingers. Hands and fingers, mind you. Would you tell us the nature of your relationship with Mr. Boz? I had sex with him for about a year and a half. I liked having sex with him. He wasn't afraid of experimenting. I like men like that. Men who give me pleasure. He gave me a lot of pleasure. You ever uh, engage in any sadomasochistic activity? Exactly what did you have in mind, Mr. Corelli? You ever tie him up? No. You never tied him up? No. 
Johnny liked to use his hands too much. I like hands and fingers. That brings me to the final category, which would be the MVP, the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Basic Instinct lives in the world of Sharon Stone's Catherine Trammell, and everyone else is just visiting. She just dominates this movie with sheer charisma and with a genuinely interesting performance. And I can say that even as someone who finds the ending of this movie utterly ridiculous, even random. According to the screenplay, the whole question becomes as to whether Catherine is the killer or not. But does it even matter? There are no real moral questions being posed in this movie, nor compelling mystery elements. Every other character in this movie besides Catherine is either bland or reprehensible. Well, maybe except Roxy, but she's not given enough screen time to really develop. The point is that the real point of this movie is how the character of Catherine Trammell draws us in at the expense of everyone around her. And that is only made possible by the genuine tightrope which Sharon Stone is walking with this performance, balancing high camp with cool precision. And for that reason, she's your MVP. Tell me, Nikki, were you frightened last night? That's the point, wasn't it? That's what made it so good. You shouldn't play this game. Why not? I like it. You're in over your head. Maybe. But this is how I'll catch my killer. Not gonna confess all my secrets, Nick, just because I have an orgasm. You won't learn anything I don't want you to know. Yes, I will. And I'll nail you. Nah. You'll just fall in love with me. My rating for Basic Instinct would be two and a half stars out of five. Despite my relatively low rating, I would still recommend this as a pure guilty pleasure watch. And if you haven't seen it, just a warning, as there are absurd levels of nudity and violence throughout. It's far from Verhoeven's best movie, but it's all him at his most shameless. And if you're looking to watch Basic Instinct, it's currently streaming on HBO Max and Max Go. And that ends another piercing review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast. And follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. <laughs>